Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You can watch on the Simulcast Stadium, 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111 if you would like to get in. This segment and the next one are good times to do so. We've got um, the Astros were off last night. They begin a, a series, three-game series in Minnesota. Now, Minnesota's, uh, you know, they got weather issues up there. It's cold or raining. Or I heard Julia over the weekend, Julia Morales, this kind of the, well, I'd say sideline, but it's not um, really, there's no sideline in baseball. But anyway, she's the um, on-the-field reporter for the, for the Astros TV network. And she says she remembers being in a game in Minnesota where in the same game, they froze to death. It got hot and it rained. So they got wet, hot and froze to death all in the same game. Uh, So it's, you know, it can weather wise, it can be treacherous. We'll see if Carlos Correa plays, which would be interesting to play against him. Um, he had, I think it was a thumb injury that some people thought was going to be serious. And it turned it out. It turned out from last week that it wasn't a long-term injury and he's more day to day. So I would think he would want to play in this series if he can, but you know, the way it worked out last year, if you remember in, in the first year without George Springer, where Springer never he didn't play in any of the games, any of the six games against the Astros. So maybe that will happen with Carlos Correa. And then, of course, this year when he played against the Astros, he personally contributed to two of the losses. Well, he contributed to more than two of the, the four losses, but he really, really contributed to two of the four. Um, well, I should say Blue Jays wins over over the Astros. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, yesterday, FedEx man called about the Bucks, And last night uh, in Milwaukee, they got a win, the Celtics did, with their embarrassing black uniforms. Again, if they were some fly-by-night outfit, I'd give them a pass for wearing black uniforms when they've never did, when they didn't do that for like 60 years. But when you're the Celtics or the Yankees, or the Lakers, long-time successful. You don't change your uniform. That's just so awful. But anyway, um, they the, they won last night, so uh, that series is, could get a little dicier than maybe some of us wanted it to, to get. And then you've got, um, you know, as expected, the uh, the Grizzlies are – Probably not going to win their series, so we'll see. Any thoughts about the NBA? Certainly feel free to do that. We didn't talk really any NFL football yet. Hey, is there uh, – last week I missed the little NFL. Like, 
I don't like all this. You say you're going to make an announcement about the schedule and then you leak it out. You leak certain things about it before the schedule even gets released. Wasn't there another leak supposed to happen this morning about some games that were scheduled that are going to be on the schedule? Um, I don't remember seeing anything, but I, I thought I heard that today they were going to leak out some. But anyway, one of them international games. But anyway, uh, NFL news. Sony Michelle, who running back, I said I, I he would he wouldn't have been number one on my list just because he's had a little bit of an injury. Not a lot, but a little bit of an injury pass. I, I I just I can't take any more injuries, especially the skill position people. So I wasn't like gotta have him and no one else, but he apparently is going to sign with the Dolphins. So uh he is out the picture. I think I would prefer I said all along I wanted Booker, and I don't know what Booker's situation is. I haven't actually have heard anything about Booker's situation. There hasn't been any news on that. Maybe that's good. I don't know. Um, some people are all fired up about the whole LSU thing. Again, I, I got no issue. If they want to re-sign Quan and they want to and sign Daryl Williams and sign Jarvis Landry, I got no issues with that. And look, it sounds like it's it's more possible than ever that that they will sign Jarvis because, you know, if you believe the headlines that the the Brown ship has kind of sailed with Jarvis, and so we'll see if um, how it works out Saints wise. It would probably if the Saints signed him, it would be kind of, as they say, a prove-it contract. Like, you know, the last few years he hasn't been as productive as he was before. Some of it's injuries. Some of it is Baker Mayfield. By the way, the Baker Mayfield situation is not going well. And I think there's a lot of things behind that. One, Baker has a lot of, you know, Tim Tebow, Colin Kaepernick in, and he's a he's a press conference guy. No one wants a press conference guy to be their backup quarterback. And two, the the Browns' ownership angered the rest of the NFL owners big time with that incredible contract that they gave um, because to Deshaun Watson because like you know that is like it was like an unprecedented contract in terms of. Over two hundred million guaranteed dollars, which is what they did to make it happen. But now all these other quarterbacks in their agents can point to that contract, and so they are not happy with the Browns' ownership. And so, I would not expect any other owner in the NFL to do any favors to the Browns right now because they are not happy with the Browns for that contract. So the combination of both of those things, plus the fact he's just not worth it. Again, you can put up with a lot if you're really talented, but he's just an average to maybe slightly above average quarterback. And I don't even know. I think he's an average NFL quarterback. That those bozos pick number one overall because they're QWs. Um, It just... 
incredible to me that they did that. But anyway, they did. And, and um, so, you know, they might end up having to cut them. We'll see. Because I don't think anybody's going to help out the Browns right now. They can. I think they can forget that. That would be shocking. The only team that would do some is someone like the Raiders who really don't care what everyone else thinks. And so they kind of, as you say, dance to the beat of their own drummer. And they like being radicals and they like being, you know, treading their own path and all all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it'll be it would be someone like the Raiders that might do it, but I don't think too many other people are gonna do it for sure. So we'll see. But again, from a Saints perspective, I'm sure there were plenty of Saints fans who were disappointed to hear the news about Sony Michelle going to the Dolphins. And again, I would have been okay with it. He's a veteran running back. He did fine for the Rams last year. But uh, he wouldn't have been my first choice. And so we'll see how the search continues. And, again, if you remember, we we do those little – we film those little me getting mad sessions on Friday – and one of, probably the first one we did was like, can we wait? Like, everyone's just bashing and worried about this. Oh, they're not doing anything. What are the Saints doing? They're not picking nobody up. And, and, and just people just really panicking. And I'm like, can we at least wait till the draft? Can we just at least wait till the draft? Really after that. But at least wait to the draft before we start bashing the Saints front office for not doing anything. And, of course, most people, not everyone, but most people were pleased with the draft, especially the first round. And then, you know, they pick up Matthew, and then if they pick up Landry and get a veteran, I mean, it's going to, on paper, in my opinion, be the best roster in franchise history. And at the beginning of this, everyone was panicking and bashing them for not doing anything. It's just incredible. Incredible. Again, uh, not everyone, like I always say, not everyone is as patient and rational as I am in terms of following their team and how things go uh, with their team. So, I mean, again, I – I always say I'm going to have a seminar on how to be patient and rational with the teams that you follow. Um, and, you know, some some people need, you know, one of those complimentary front row seats to that seminar. But um, I love saying that is funny because it's it sounds not true, but it really is true. Really am patient and rational when it comes to the teams I follow a whole lot more than people realize. <laughs> There's certain aspects of that that I'm not rational about, I guess. The cheaters. Uh, Fred Brocklander. Fred Silva. But I, I don't know that I ever noticed that both of them's name was Fred. Fred Brocklander in 86. Fred Silva in 88. I might need to never watch Fred Flintstone again. I don't know that I ever realized that. Both names were Fred. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. So we will continue to monitor uh, 
the Saints offseason. And um, it is, um, I would say, going pretty well. Not over. We had, um, you know, there are two more things they need to get done. Well, really, one more thing. I, if they get Jarvis Landry or someone like him, I think it would be great. Uh, it would certainly help if they can fit it in. But I think this team, this roster, this offense will be fine even if they don't get a Jarvis Landry. But if they get him, it would be even better. So I'm all for it. But the I think the number one need is to, they got to have a veteran running back. And and I chuckle when I hear commentaries, you know, on the air or or read them online. I just chuckle when I hear that, you know, suddenly the same, you know, so, you know, an un, an overrated, no, an underrated need for the Saints is a veteran running back. An underrated need. I've been screaming and hollering about this since a year ago. And now all these people are finally getting it. Well, they, they, they kind of need a, a veteran running back. They've been needing one since last year. We voluntary, voluntarily got rid of one, and now everybody said, oh, we need a veteran running back. Well, we've been needing one for a year. And now they're trying to tell me it's this underrated need, overlooked need. No, it's not overlooked by this fat white white cat. I mean, it's not overlooked by me. I've been telling y'all that for a year. Need a veteran running back. Oh, no, let's just give him up. So, no, if the Saints can get a veteran running back, whether they get Jarvis or not, I, um, I'm going to be all for it. All right, let's get one call in before we get to our take our first time out. Hello. No, oh, man, you put me on the uh, on the short leash. I don't like that. Huh? Well, we we can hold you over. You're special enough. Oh, okay. I just wanted to call because, man, when I you know I always think about jewels whenever you say stuff. And last week or two couple weeks ago, when you said something about how guys have full, he said I always see delusion. <laughs> Delusional when you when you say your glass half full when you say how rational. And but I really am. <laughs> well, Kevin, I know it's just that your temperament. You know, you don't you don't really ever sound patient. You know, it's just that the way you kind of like me. You know, people never people think that I'm uh, excited and I'm angry and I'm I'm one of the happiest. Manny, let let, 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 let me let me put it. No, Manny, let me put it to you this way: in a country full where the divorce rate is what sixty percent or whatever it is, and in a country full of bandwagon jumpers and QWs, and I've been a Saints and an Astro fan for fifty something years, and those people tell me I'm not patient and rational when it comes to following my team. Please, people, please. You know, you're a Saints fan like like me and you since since conception. You have to be rational and patient yeah. and glass half full because you would have jumped on one of these yeah. bandwagons. You'd have been like these bandwagons who love Alabama or Tampa yeah, exactly. Bay. Exactly. 
You know, exactly. Yeah. Okay, one more thing. What? It's comical. You know, anything about Michael Thomas? Because I still read something yesterday, but he still has some hurdles to I, clear. I, I read that. They, I'm just trying to ignore they, it. Did they, did they replace his ankle or did they do? I mean, I've never. The man, by the time training camp comes, it will be almost two years since the man played football. I, I've never heard of a, a ankle injury. I mean, unless it's just forever chronic and it's never going to be fixed. I've never heard that in my life. I mean, you know. No, I, I read that and I just ignored it. I just, I just, I'm not in a mental place right now to be able to, right. to either be able to fathom or consider or ponder the possibility of Plastic Man being okay. out more not with this stupid again. ankle injury. Yes. Right. Uh, uh, injury that occurred. I'm just going to ignore it. Two last two minutes of a win where he should have been uh, drinking water and laughing with his buddies on the sideline. You know, uh, uh, I agree. I agree. I, I, it's hard for me too. But when they saw it, it just you know, of course, jumped out at me. But the glass half full guy I am, I'm not even going to worry about that. I know that this is going to not. It's going to come to pass. Everything's going to be okay. This is our time. Right. I feel it, Kevin. Yes. I feel it. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks, I'll man. Okay. All, right. <laughs> All right. We way overdue, so we'll take a timeout. We'll come back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you would like to get in, certainly feel free to do that. We'll be talking, have our weekly conversation with UL baseball coach Matt Deggs in the next segment. Um, But if you would like to talk about that, we'll be speaking about LSU tomorrow in the second segment of the 9 o'clock hour with with Cokie Riley, like we started last week. So we'll be talking some CILSU. And again, things are looking up for the Tigers, I think. Um, It is a, um, it's just, you know, it's a situation where I think LSU is the, most of the early season fears are kind of behind them. Not that they don't have issues because they do. Um, and anytime you, you know, you, if you, if you, if you get into a regional and your starting pitcher doesn't get out of the first inning, then that becomes a problem. So you can't have that and you can't suddenly have a rash of injuries. Um, 
and and so if they can, uh, I mean, a rash of playing really, really poor injuries too, but really playing really, really poor defense. So you can't do that. Same thing with 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 uh, with the Cajuns. I mean, th- their issue, I think, is more on the back end. That scares me a little more, to be honest with you, than than LSU situation is that. Bullpen, I really think once you get into the postseason, it's more about being able to hit. It's timely hitting in the bullpen. That's how you win regionals, in my opinion. Now, look, if you can go out there and have a starting pitcher in a regional or a conference tournament and they and they go eight innings or nine innings to game one and you go eight or nine innings in game two, that's tr- that would be tremendous. Obviously, that would be critical, but that that that's not that's not overly realistic. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's not overly realistic unless you score a lot of runs. Because one, it gets hotter. There's, the hitting is normally better. The point that Coach Deggs keeps making as you get closer. So all of that um, was was. Um, you know, it's something that will play out, but I, I think um, bullpens are very important. And bullpen is probably one of the bigger question marks for the Cajuns. So we'll see how how that plays out. All right. Again, uh, the game hotline is 706-0111, Um, If you would like to get in, the... Um, Again, we will continue to follow what's going on with the Saints. We do have high school baseball. Um, almost High school season, as Raymond was saying, is almost over. It's getting closer. We have four teams left. We have two teams on the public school side in Sulphur in the semifinals, Iota and North Vermillion, and then we have um, two teams on the private school side that are both on the road. Northside Christian is going up north. Uh, they're going to play tomorrow against the number one seed, Claiborne Christian. And then uh, Notre Dame is going to play St. Charles uh, in a 2-3 matchup at St. Charles on Thursday. And then we'll see if anyone wins and and, and gets to the finals. So um, we'll see how, uh, you know, how many teams get there this weekend. We're also... Going to have the Sunbelt Conference track meet. It's going to be in Lafayette this weekend at Cajun Track. And so we're going to be chatting a little bit tomorrow with our old friend, uh, Tommy Battle, assistant track coach for the Cajuns. And so um, certainly get his impressions about the Saints draft because remember him and Lon, Lon Battle, the head track coach, was in right before the draft. And but also talk about a little bit about the Sunbelt Conference track meet, which is going to be uh, held this weekend, starting on Thursday uh, at UL. So we'll see how get get his thoughts on that, and you know maybe even a little more because the the great thing about Coach Battle is you know he's been a, he was a high school coach for a long time. Um, he's a you know fan of the Saints, and we talk we can talk about that and have fun with that, and also the college game. So. Lot, lots of different things, a lot of different areas we can go with. Um, with Coach Baton was he in, but primarily we'll be talking about the um, 
the Sunbelt Conference track meet. Uh, and then we'll, you know, the Astros will start playing again tonight. Once again, I, I um, it's just way too many low-scoring games. I keep saying it over and over, and I said it again yesterday. Like the Rangers and the Yankees played, it was one nothing. The Mariners didn't score any runs again. Last I saw last night, the Tigers didn't score any runs again, or at least it was like they were down two to nothing in the eighth. I think last I saw last night on the Tigers update. So. Again, while I'm excited about where the Astros pitching is right now and how they've been doing, I, I just think there's a lot of fools going that. Not that I don't think they have good pitching, because I do, but I, I, I think it's going to be futile, whether it's the Astros or any team right now, to judge anyone's pitching until at least June, probably July. Once it heats up everywhere, and once everybody's out of on oh, and get a good spring training and therefore I can't hit because I'm not in the right groove. Once we get, we got to get to June and probably this year all the way to July. If your team is still pitching really well in July, then you might have something. But uh, right now, that's just too much. It, it, it's starting to remind me in this little month that we've played Major League Baseball, it's starting to remind me of the 68 season. Like all these pitchers did all the, all oh, Danny McClain and Bob Gibson and, you know, all these pitchers had all these great performances. There were too many of them. It's like if you have a stretch when you have a bunch of no hitters, like something's up. Nope, don't buy it. Something's up. There are just too many. It, it was too easy to pitch well in 68 and in that era. So, um, So, no, I'm not buying it yet. Too many guys just can't hit. And it. Um, some of it's the baseball. Some of it's the cold weather. Some of it's the, um, the, the unusual spring training because of the lockout. And some of it is good pitching. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying there aren't any good pitching performances. It's just so hard to know what it, what it really is. And so I'm, I'm just not buying it all yet. Just it would have did my heart a little better, like to see the Mariners score a run or the Tigers score a run. Uh, you know, the Ranger. I mean, every once in a while it's okay, but man, it seems like every game, and it's not every game, but I mean, it's so many games are one to nothing, two to one, three to two. And I like that kind of baseball a lot, fairly often. But when every when when so when it's happening in so many games, you know. A red flag has to go up. Red flag has to go up. And so, again, I, I'm ca- I'm trying to tell myself, don't get too excited about the pitching yet. Because let's wait till July. They're still doing this towards the end of June and into July. And you, and you have a series where you pitch great or a, a two-week stretch where you pitch great. You might actually have some. Right now, I, I just think there's a lot of fools go in all these pitching, uh, all these Guys taking no hitters to the seventh and eighth and, you know, all these shutouts and holding teams to one run. It's craziness. It's too much of it. little too much of it for me, but we'll see how it plays out long term. And, again, I, I don't even look at the standings traditionally till June the 1st. I guess we might have to back it up a week since we started a week late. Maybe I have to do June the 8th, look at the standings 
or we might get impatient and doing a June, but but certainly not before June the first. Certainly not before. Maybe even a little later. All right, uh, that'll do it for this segment. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we will have our weekly conversation with UL head baseball coach Matt Deggs, whose Cajuns will open up a two-game midweek series at Rice tonight before they head over to San Marcos and play first place Texas State over the weekend. Should, will be a you know arguably the biggest series of the entire season. We'll be back with that conversation next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 10th, 1970. Bobby Orr scores a famous overtime winning goal as Boston beats the St. Louis Blues 4-3 at the Boston Garden in Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Finals. The win gives Boston a series sweep and its first title since 1941. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we have with us UL head baseball coach Matt Deggs and the Raging Cajuns. We talked all week last week. Got to get a sweep, got to get a sweep, and you got it. But, man, it wasn't easy. No, and you knew, you knew, Kev, just from our history with those guys, they were going to play us tough. And had some older kids on the mound. And, uh, you know, history, especially successful history, uh, creates confidence. And, and so, uh, you know, a couple of those kids at Fish is Tough, Moffitt, uh, King, uh, there's some guys that had some history there. And they came in and pitched the ball good. And we had prepared for King for two or three days. And uh, I thought we had a good approach. But, hey, he's a, he's a battler, that kid. And uh, I thought the difference in the series was just our mental and physical conditioning. It was extremely hot. Uh you know, IVs, all kinds of stuff. And uh, and then our starting pitching and guys threw the ball real well out the bullpen. Uh, we made some fantastic plays defensively. I know we had, you know, some spotty errors and this and that, but uh, those some of the plays we made were just game changers. And so uh, just find a way to win, man. Just keep going. Every day is kind of an elimination game for us uh, in the short term. And, you know, I think it's making us tougher and more resilient and, and actually, you know, very, very confident. You know, none of us like the, the the really cold weather of early in the season, but now that you're in the part of the season where the heat is going to become a factor in the other direction, is it going to force you to maybe pull a pitcher a little sooner than you normally would or play an extra, you know, different guys and maybe give guys a few, a little bit more time off with the heat or, or is that not going to be the case? I think really and surely it's, it's case by case, right? But it speaks to uh, how well uh, James Lang and coach Tibb and all these guys, uh, the condition of those pitchers is remarkable uh, to go through what, Schultz went through and, and uh, Hefe yesterday and uh, to still stay out there, out there through seven innings, six innings, uh, tally with the stuff he had. 
you know, I'm very proud of the, the conditioning and, and where they're at as far as being in shape and being able to uh, endure that type of heat and, and uh, those type of taxing outings, uh, especially uh, all the innings they've thrown before. I mean, it's way more than any of them I've ever thrown. All right, so we've talked about it for, I don't know, several weeks now it seems like. And when you go into a weekend series especially, but really every game, are you really at the point where, okay, are you trying to figure out, okay, is this is going to be a high-scoring game or a low-scoring game? And if you knew ahead of time that it was going to be a 2-1, to 3-2, to 4-3 type game, you might play the defensive guy maybe over the guy who might give you a little bit more bat um, more at the plate if you knew it was going to be a 9-8 game you played offensive guys so is it really just trying to guess what kind of game we're going to be we're about to play I think you've got to factor that I, I do it a little bit in reverse I look at their offense uh, versus who I know is going to be throwing for us and then kind of make an educated guess on what we're going to have to get to and you know uh, sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but uh, offense is, is tricky. Uh, if I try to, you know, put together something for us that, and I go, man, this is going to, well, you don't know. Cause you, you may hit balls right at people or somebody might not just have it that night, but, uh, that's a lot of it. You know, it's, uh, the, we don't have a stopper, so to speak that, you know, every, every Friday night or every Saturday afternoon or whatever. And it's no disrespect to anybody, but I'm talking first, second, third round stuff that, uh, you know, we know it's going to be low scoring. Uh, so you've got to take a lot of that into account. All right. Uh, you One of the things that you did was move Julian Brock up, and you kind of hinted at that last week. And, I, look, I, I think he's, he's – um, had a fabulous year and he hit man he hits a lot of balls hard is it a deal where you just want your hottest hitters up or is it how important is it to you to to kind of have really hot hitters throughout the lineup not all jammed up in one spot no i like length in the lineup uh you try to guess a little bit where some rbi spots are going to come up uh just based on how guys are going and what you plan on doing going into that game you know he went to the four spot Friday night, just based on King, uh, their pitcher, he's low, low three-quarter guy that wants to run everything to his hand side. And Julian is the, just the shortest bat that we've got. I mean, it's lightning quick. You're not getting in there. Uh, because he's he's so in to out with his path. And it's it's uh, when, he, when he's balanced, man, you're not going to sneak anything past him. So I felt like he actually was our best matchup, and it wound up being Connor Kemple, who had a great night uh, against King. But uh, moved him up there. Yeah, a little bit of recent uh, history, and then I thought he'd match up well. Uh, next day, I think I kept him, you know, pretty close, maybe five, uh, because as a sinker baller, again, he's going to try to sink it on our hands. And uh, I thought he swung about good all weekend. I, I, I'd love to see him hit fifth. Uh, but there's something to him being at the bottom, too. It just kind of finds him when he's down there. Trey LaFleur, he had that incredible home run about three weeks ago, and it looked like you, he, and you got him some at-bats, and then you kind of stepped away. And 
Um, and then he has a big day yesterday. So uh, he, he's got to be a little tricky. You can see the potential, and yet he doesn't have the overall at-bats maybe to play him every day. So how tricky is when to use uh, Trey? Well, Trey hasn't had the, the work that the rest of them have had. He hasn't had the practice time. He hasn't had the at-bats. Uh, and coming down the stretch, I want to make sure he's confident and healthy. And so I'm not going to let anything spiral on him. Uh, if he's hot, we're going to ride it. And uh, felt like he was a good matchup against their kid yesterday uh, just because the guy has such a good fastball. On video, he was 94, 96, and then yesterday the tick down. It's probably because of the heat, but still some fours and fives. And, and Trey is a very uh, – he has a very quick bat. Uh, there doesn't – it doesn't take a lot to get Trey going as far as starting his swing. It's very sudden. And it's loud when he gets a hold of it. And so I thought he would be a good matchup against that kid yesterday. Again, we're speaking with UL head baseball coach Matt Deggs. All right, coach, you've done this before several times early. It's been a while. But how tricky is a five-game week this late in the season, especially since you're looking at arguably the biggest series of the season this weekend? I'm looking forward to it. I think the boys are too, uh, just because we all love to play and we're going to stay sharp and, and uh, we're going to get on the road. We've been good on the road all year. It'll give some guys an opportunity to get some work. We're going to have to hit because, you know, I'm not going to burn guys uh, uh, tomorrow or Wednesday based on, you know, uh, just trying to grab one of those because I still feel like we can win this league. And uh, but we're going to have to go down to a really good Texas State uh, ball club and 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 play our best games of the year. It's, that's just a simple fact. Uh, they're very good in that ballpark. It's going to be hot, hot, hot. The wind's going to be blowing out, and uh, we're going to have to work hard to eliminate free stuff and capitalize on opportunities when we get them offensively. You spent a lot of time in Texas, and you don't have to be in Texas to know how good Rice was for for decades. Is it a little spooky playing a Rice team that's obviously not as good as the national powerhouse, and yet it, it's still going to say Rice? I mean, it it's kind of strange. Well, we know. You and I know. I don't know how much these kids know. It's been a while, man. Uh, you know, they were kind of coming – down to earth a little bit during my last couple, two or three years at, at Sam. And, uh, it's, uh, just a unbelievable program and tons of history. Uh, and they're going to get back there. I have no doubt. Uh, but you know, the, the lore and, and just kind of the mystique, I think that that left with coach Graham and, and, uh, they're going to work hard to get it back. Uh, and trust me, I've been there in a couple of super regionals and being at A&M and Sam uh, played there a ton. And it, it's, uh, it was based on pitching and defense and uh, timely hitting. And they were very, very, very tough to beat. And I promise you they'll be tough to beat on Tuesday and Wednesday. Overall, Coach, do you, do you feel like going into this, you know, you got the two games against Rice and then you've got the big, huge weekend in San Marcos. Do you feel like you're as prepared as you can be based on the, the all the ups and downs of this season and the obstacles? It seems like you're in a good place to go play this series in San Marcos this weekend. Well, you know, we, we let uh, schools out, you know, so that's behind us. And uh, that's a huge part of, 
of managing your time as a as a young man and uh, as a student athlete. Uh, so we don't have to check that box anymore. And you're right as far as on the field. I think we're as prepared as anybody in uh, in the country, uh, just from the way we work and through the experiences that we've been blessed to have this year. Uh, so, I you know you can never say you've seen it all because you haven't. But if we can stay relatively healthy and and uh, you know kind of continue on this upward trend that we're on, it should be an exciting finish. All righty, coach. We appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much. Good luck in uh, in Houston. Thank you, Kevin. I'll see you in a little while. All right. All right UL head Matt Deggs will be back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You can call in and say Pete Rose deserves to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. You can call and proclaim that the Houston Astros were the only team that stole signs. Just know this. Foot will disagree with you. Call into Footnotes with Kevin Foot at 337-706-0111. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you, the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles wants to upgrade your experience for downtown rising with the ultimate downtown rising VIP experience. It will be Saturday, June the 4th, and you can win VIP passes to downtown rising featuring the Cold War kids on that Saturday, June the 4th. But you can't win if you don't register. So go to the Game Rewards Club, register today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, and you might win VIP passes. The ultimate downtown rising VIP experience is presented by Social Entertainment, Raiders Solutions, Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and the game Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Again, we will um it is um it's only tuesday game 1 of the astro series and, and and by the way um you're running out of time if you want to take part in the first astro weekend getaway rangers astros on may the 21st again do the same thing register at the game clubhouse and you could win um Four tickets to the game, a ballpark tour, and hotel accommodations thanks to La Meridian Houston Hotel and Butcher Air Conditioning. So, again, by that time, we're going to start getting, like I've been talking about, a little closer to June. It'll be May the 21st. Maybe there'll be some runs scored in the game. And, again, I love a one nothing game, a 2-1 to game. But when you have too many of them, my red flag just goes up. And I'm like... This is just too easy. I mean, like the last series, I think I read a stat. I'm pretty sure I heard it correctly. In the, when the Astros went seven and zero, opposing hitters hit one oh three. Like that's just sometimes it's just too good to be true. There's no way you're pitching that well, and so I just think too much of it is the other team just being that inept for whatever reason. 
And again, it might be them just being inept. It might be, um, you know, the whole, you know, it's probably something to do with the ball like they're talking about. Um, I tell you what, though, when they come inside on Jeremy Pena, I don't know if the ball makes a difference because they can't. He has some. He has way more bat speed on him inside pitches than I ever thought he was gonna have. But um, but but no, it's just a little, just a little dice. So we'll see what happens tonight in Minnesota, which is another place. I mean, it's been unusually cold, and in the um up there, and so we'll see. The Astros have had a lot of really strange games in Minnesota over the last four or five years. I mean, really bizarre games. There was that one Memorial Day game when I don't remember the details, but they were down like 12 to 2 or something crazy, 10 to 2 or something crazy like that, and they came back and won. So um, it it is um, a place that I don't really know. what You never really know what to expect when the Astros play at Minnesota. A lot of bizarre games, and we'll see what happens tonight in that contest. All right, that'll do it for the first hour. Another hour to follow on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You can hear us. Or watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. Also, give us a call on the game hotline, 706-0111, This first segment is a good time to do so. We will be in the next segment discussing UL softball with Bobby Nuvu in our weekly conversation. And part of that is going to be about the conference tournament. But really, I want to start. We haven't done a whole lot of this. We do it here and there. But really trying to look and project the big picture. Um, Obviously, the Sunbelt Conference Tournament is very important. But what's really important is the NCAA Regional. And now that the Cajuns... As of now, got their RPI under 30, and they're the regular season champions, and they have this incredible history, which they say means nothing, but it's got to mean a little bit, I've always thought. Um, or it should mean a little bit, I've always thought. Uh, you know, they should be. I think they're comfortably in the tournament. I, I, I would be shocked and you know pretty close to it would be outrageous if the Cajuns didn't get an at large bid even if they didn't win the conference tournament uh with an RPI of 27 and and and, and you know every in what if they won 19 18 out of 19 or 19 out of 20 something crazy like that so it's um it, it's there's no reason so they're in it's just okay where are they going to go and and what is the 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 big regional picture what does that puzzle look like? And we've hinted at that a few times. We've never really discussed it. So uh, we're going to do that some 
uh, next hour with, with, with Bobby. And, you know, some people on the baseball side are starting to do that, and we can do that some tomorrow with Koki as well when we're t- talking LSU because, um, you know, there's not as many – Within, I don't know. I don't know what that magic number would be, five hours, six hours. Within, you know, five or six hours, maybe seven hours from from Lafayette. When you start, you know, that covers Houston and Dallas and, and the Mississippi schools. And, you know, there's not as much there as there normally is. And, and, um, and so... You know, it's it could be. There's a lot of regional sites. If you as you're predicting on both sides, the baseball side and the softball side, uh, that are could be a long way away now. So we'll we'll be discussing that some over the over the next couple of days. You know, on one side of things, there are Cajun fans, baseball and softball. Uh, that get a little tired of always going to Baton Rouge for regionals. But there's also a convenient side of that because it's only 50 miles down the road, you know, roughly. So now you got to deal with, you know, there's certain things that you don't want to deal with, like the bridge. But, I mean, anywhere you travel, you're going to have some issues you got to deal with. That's just life. And so, um, but if there's no Baton Rouge, hmm, then where do you go? And that's kind of the question that we're going to, you know, at some point, sometimes it's a watch watch out what you wish for situation. Yeah, I'm getting a little tired of always having to go to Baton Rouge. And I get it. I get that to a certain extent. But, okay, if not Baton Rouge, then where? And so we're going to discuss that with with Bobby some in the the next segment as well as over – as well as uh, reviewing the all Sun Belt softball team was released yesterday, and you know me, I the older I get, the less I, I just the whole individual awards thing means less to me. I get less emotional about it. I don't, you know, I I've told the story many times. I can remember every year around the. Um, in the the, the All Star Game, I would write columns and just oh, they should vote for this guy, and why is this guy not got got? Why is this guy not in? And you know, stupid fans, how could you do that? And at some point, I'm you know, I just got I was like, who cares who they put in there? I mean, it's just you know, it's an it's an All Star Game. Like, worry about your team. Um, and so I don't I I've kind of gotten that, but there was there was some interesting. Um, results of this year's all Sun Belt softball team. So we'll talk with Bobby about that as well. Again, the game hotline is 7060111. 7060111. The um, there's been a lot of talk in the NBA circles about injuries and fans and um. You hear a lot of comments on both sides of it. I don't know how any of that's going to affect the actual game. I would think the Suns are going to be extra fired up. Some athlete, like Chris Paul, was obviously shaken. 
He was mad. Like, he wanted no part. By the way, that old Phoenix, uh, that j- jacket he was wearing, you know, going back to, the like, the 1970 Paul Westfall, Garfield Heard, like, Phoenix Suns. I'm no Phoenix Suns fan, but I don't know. I just like the way that the, the lettering for Phoenix not that dissimilar than like the Red Sox old school lettering, but I just thought I just started. I was like, man, that that looks good. But anyway, um, Chris Paul was obviously very, 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 very angry. And some athletes play even better when they're angry, and some athletes it kind of messes them up maybe a little bit. I, I don't know. Look, I have zero athletic ability, but. I don't know that I would be, if I had any athletic ability, just kind of knowing how I handle things. Uh, I don't know that I would perform as well if I was angry. Maybe so. Um, but it, it will be interesting to see how he handles it. And and I would think his team might rally or, you know, use that anger as fuel. Not that you need it. I mean, it's the, you know. It's the Western Conference semifinals. You were in the finals last year. So I, I understand to a certain extent, p- some people are probably saying, what in the world do you need extra motivation for? It's the playoffs. But again, you're still talking about a lot of games. And um, so we'll, we'll, it, it, I think it will be interesting to see how Chris Paul plays. Now, there's no question he's going to play with passion. Fully expect that, but sometimes playing with passion and optimum execution is not always the same thing. Like, you know, chances are he's not going to hit fourteen out of fourteen. I mean, probably will never happen again. But if he hits ten out of fourteen, still works. Still should work pretty good. Um, so we'll see that series. I don't. I mean, I think most people think the Suns are going to win. Um, I don't think odds are the Mavs are not going to hit as many threes as they did, especially in Phoenix. They're not going to as they did uh, in Game Four. But if I'm a, if I'm a Mavs fan, I would feel pretty good about the fact that my best player didn't play. He played well, but he didn't play great, and I won. But again, you know the old NBA postseason cliche, your marginal players or your complementary players uh, typically play better at home than they do on the road. I mean, that nothing is, is, is always, but that normally is the case. So uh, unless Luka has like one of his all-time great games, it's probably for them to win in Phoenix, it's going to require that kind of, um, you know, where their complementary players step up and play really well. And that typically doesn't happen on the road, especially a home field advantage like Phoenix has. I mean, they, they've got a lot of stuff going well. That That's not the easiest place to play. I mean, I think Pelican fans saw some of that firsthand a couple weeks ago. So it is um, – We'll follow that. We talked a little bit about the Celtics and the Bucks in the last hour. So we, we we're just trying to get, trying to get to uh, the conference finals, and then I think there'll be a little more 
uh, even a little more focus. Most of yesterday's show and nationally, um, was talk was about the Kentucky Derby on Monday. And again, you know, that discussion is not going to really go away, especially between now and the Preakness. But, but one of the things that comes out of a big event like that is people start relating it to other sports in terms of upsets. And I've heard some talk on national shows and some talk locally. When people talk about the bet, the big upsets that uh, I don't. Some of the examples I've heard, I don't buy. And one of the main examples that some people discuss is the 1985 NCAA championship game arguably in terms of execution the best game ever played arguably was the best college basketball game in terms of execution ever played um and again I don't remember all these details but it was at Rupp um Villanova was playing Georgetown and Georgetown was, you know, on its incredible run that they had in the 80s. They were really good. And it kind of started with that 82 and with, with North Carolina and the Jordan and Fred Brown. And there goes Fred again uh, in the um, throwing the ball away and Sleepy Ford and all that. But in that game, if I remember correctly, Villanova was an eight seed playing against the number one overall seed. Probably, Georgetown was probably number one overall or real close to it. And that's probably why some people say it's this ginormous upset. But I don't look at that as an upset at all. One, it's a conference game. And I've argued for a long, long time. Conference games go in different categories. Just like division games um, go in a different category. You just have to look at them differently. You have to interpret them differently. You have to analyze them differently. You have to preview them differently. Conference games are different. And, and the NCAA is never going to figure that out. I'm convinced of that. And if they ever do, then the way they do RPI would be better, in my opinion. But I've argued that for decades. But anyway, in this particular instance, don't buy that. Because they played twice in the regular season. Georgetown beat Villanova one time by seven. And the other time, by two points in overtime. So when they played again and for the national championship, Villanova won. But, I mean, they lost by two in overtime and they lost by seven the first time. How can that be one of the biggest upsets in sport history? Now, you want to talk about a ginormous upset kind of from that vaguely from that era. I remember one day waking up and hearing that the night before – Chaminade, a school I had never heard of in my life, beat Virginia with Ralph Sampson ranked number one in the country. The number one team in the country, Virginia, with the great Ralph Sampson. At the time, it looked like Ralph Sampson was going to be like the greatest center, one of the greatest centers of all time. He did okay, but he fell short of being one of the greatest centers of all time. But they were, um, you know, this dominant from the ACC number one seed, and they got beat by Chaminade some little school in Hawaii. 
And at the time, that was like, I, I don't know that I, I had ever, I was in high school. I, I don't know that, that I, there was ever a bigger upset. That's a way bigger upset than one conference team beating another conference team in the third time they met when the first two matchups were single digits. So if you hear anybody talk about the biggest upsets, and I've heard that a few times since since Saturday, I think that's total misrepresentation. I don't even really buy the Giants beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl was an upset. One, they didn't lose to the Giants. They lost to um, the Piper because you, you don't ever go into a championship undefeated. That's stupid. And second, the Giants own the Patriots. They've already proved that. Literally, like you play horse, you you make a shot, you got to prove it. They've already proved it, the Giants. So I, I, don't, I, I think that's an overrated on the upset meter as well. But I look at sports differently than a lot of you. All right, let's take a timeout. When we come back, we'll uh, discuss college softball, Cajun college softball, Sunbelt softball with Mr. Bobby Nova next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Are you fluent in footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Old Tucktail. Tucktail. Noun. A former NFL coach who put his tail between his legs and went back to college where it's easier to win. Also known as Nick Saban. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to tell you about the American Legion Car Show. The American Legion Post 278 is hosting a membership drive car show on May the 21st. The event will take place at the American Legion Hall Post 178 at 2711 Highway 347 in Leonville. The show will feature three different cl- uh, different classes, including the antique class. Pre-registration costs only $25. Free to the public and refreshments will be sold. For more information about the American Legion Car Show, call Charles Taylor at 337-804-2757. 337-804-2757. That's Antonio Gibson, Ricky Jackson for you Saints fans. All right. We will now shift gears to Cajun softball, college softball with our good friend Bobby Nova. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. How are you, Kev? Oh, I'm hanging in there, trying to get to the end of the road. And and now, you know, part of that process is always the Sunbelt Conference Tournament and then the NCAA Regionals on the softball side. So what what are you kind of your feelings coming out of the sweep in Monroe Got more injury concerns to deal with. Uh, waiting to see how Sophie Piscos is going to make it through. And then uh, what were your impressions of Jordan Campbell and, you know, some of the other injury situations coming out of the weekend? Well, Jordan Campbell, looked, she looked uh, much more comfortable in the three games against Monroe than she did the, uh, the weekend before that. And, uh, you know, Maddie and uh, – Maddie and, and, and Sophie is just a kind of a 
wait and see kind of thing. You know, I know they they were kind of limited in practice the last couple of days and and trying to get a feel for where they are and you know it's all going to kind of depend on 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 the on the trainer and uh, what she you know what she says they can do and what they can't do. So uh, we'll find out a lot more tomorrow morning, I'm sure. Now, obviously, you want Maddie Hayden in. She's she's an outstanding defensive player, and she and she did a great job of hitting. But there's a lot of depth in the outfield. There's a lot of options in the outfield. There's not really that many options as a catcher. And, and obviously, Melissa, who we're about to get to, talked uh, on a different subject, and you know played some catcher early on when Sophie got her concussion, and yet. You know, she, you you much prefer her being at second base. So, how worried are you about the defensive aspect of if Sophie can't play as opposed to the outfield aspect? I mean, I'm a little bit worried. It's, it's not something that you know I'm uh, freaking out about. Or, I mean, Melissa played some catcher during the year, and then she did. You know, she caught two games over the weekend, and she looked. You know, she looked pretty good back there, and. Uh, Sam Great has been getting a little bit of work at catcher, and Stormy's caught some this year. So, you know, if Sophie can't go, uh, of course you would much rather Sophie be back there. But it is what it is, and uh, I think we'll be—I think we'll be okay. You know, the fact that she played low catcher, the fact that when Alexa Langoliers got hurt uh, and she played about two weeks or whatever, you know, two weeks or so at at shortstop and did real well. Do you think those were the biggest reasons why I was a little surprised uh, that Melissa was voted by the league's coaches as the um, MVP in the conference when the all-conference team was released yesterday afternoon? What, what do you think went into that from from just from all the games you saw this year? I, I think the fact that, you know, she, she's she been able to play and fill in at all those different positions, and, and I just think she's – She's a kid that, that, that all the coaches in the conference, you know, the coaches vote on all conference. And I just think she's a kid that's so well respected and so well liked. And, uh, you know, she went on about a three-week tear there where she, she was the best player in the conference. And uh, in my opinion, you know, of course, my opinion doesn't mean a whole lot, but for, for that stretch there, I thought she was the best player in the conference and. Uh, I think you know you put all that together, and I couldn't be happier that she, you know, she got that award. I, I'm not big on. Uh, I'm kind of like you. I'm not big on on uh, postseason awards. I think it's a, it, you know, it's it's a flawed process, and um, so I don't look at it a whole lot. But when I heard that Melissa was the Player of the Year, you know, it, it kind of touched my heart because she's such a great kid, and you know, we all know her story. Not even sure when's the last time she saw any of her family members, and uh, all she does is is just works, continues to work, never complains. You know, early in the year she wasn't playing, and you never heard anything from that kid. She just continued to work and continued to get herself ready for if she got an opportunity. The opportunity came, and she she made the most of it. So um, I'm ecstatic that she's the player of the year, and. Uh, I, I just think the kind of kid she is uh, came into play and the fact that, you know, she went on that tear and 
had a really good three or four weeks in conference play. I think the best way to put it is in an age where coaches all over the country preach accountability and 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 get frustrated with parents and kids because they don't want to be accountable for what they do. When she doesn't play, she looks in the mirror. She doesn't get mad at the coach. And she's, what can Never I do better it. to play? Yeah. And I think that's why she's so highly respected. All right, so I want to also discuss – kind of beyond the, the the conference tournament. You know, obviously, we believe the Cajuns are in. Uh, obviously, if they win the conference tournament, then they'll be in at an even higher stature. But the do you – LSU currently has an RPI of 19. That puts them kind of in that gray area. Uh, they're an SEC team, so if they go far, pretty far at all in the SEC tournament – uh, I don't know that they need a top 16 to necessarily host, whereas, you know, if you're a Sunbelt team, you, you need probably even higher than 16 to host. Uh, what do you think of um, LSU's chances of hosting? Uh, I think they're kind of on the outside looking in right now. And, uh, you know, I, I think whatever they do in the, in the tournament is going to help determine if they host or not. I also believe that the committee loves – for LSU to host, and I think that's going to come into play. You know, I think they like the location. Of course, the crowds are always really, really good there, and LSU is always, you know, uh, one of the teams that, uh, you know, is always in the in, in the conversation for hosting. And right now, I think they're kind of on the bubble for hosting, and I think what happens in the next two or three days will go a long way in determining if they'll host or not. If they'll if they do get in, they'll probably be the 16th seed, you know, is what I'm thinking. And of course, if there's a 16th seed, they'll be paired up with the one seed, and that'll probably be Oklahoma. And, so, you, and you don't, you don't, uh, you certainly don't want that if you're the Cajuns. Now, the other one, another one to consider is Texas. Texas currently has an RPI of 15. They obviously have, you know, arguably the best win in the country this year over Oklahoma. But Texas has been real up and down. At times they've been looked really good, and at times they haven't looked really good. So would you consider Texas on the bubble as well? Yeah, I think – I don't know that they both host. I don't know that Texas and LSU both host. I mean, it's a possibility for sure, but, uh, you know, that's something to, to think about also. If LSU gets in, then, then maybe get Texas gets left out, you know. So uh, and vice versa. So that's something you got to look at. So you know LSU, Texas, uh, you know those are those are definitely uh, possibilities for the Cajuns. Uh, maybe maybe Tuscaloosa. You know that's a possibility. Anything within you know six to eight hours. Six to eight hours is is going to be a possibility. Arkansas maybe. You know even uh, even Oklahoma. But uh, we just have to wait till Sunday and. We'll find out where the Cajuns are going, and and and, and I, you know, I'm like you. I'm pretty sure they're going to get in. I heard you talking a little bit earlier about you know tradition and respect, and you know if that comes into play at all. And I think it does. I don't know how important it is, but if you look back, if you remember, Kevin, in 2007, the Cajuns uh, in the conference tournament with Middle Tennessee, and who was in the conference at that at that time, hosted the conference tournament. The Cajuns, and, and at that time, the Sun Belt didn't have an automatic bid. And the Cajuns went to Middle Tennessee, lost the first two games in the conference tournament. Florida Atlantic wins the tournament, and the Cajuns get in, and Florida Atlanta does it. So, you know, 
that kind of tells me that tradition and respect, uh, you know, has a little bit to do with who gets in and who doesn't. But it, it's to me, it's a little unique. Obviously, we're so used to just going to Baton Rouge and it's kind of end of story. But if LSU doesn't get in, you know, there's not a lot of times they might be one in Houston. I don't know that there's going to be. I don't think, you know, or in Dallas. I don't know one there. So if Texas doesn't host one, you've got Arkansas that you mentioned. And Alabama, to me, is so close to the ACC country and I don't know that they would send. There's just not a whole lot of possibilities if Baton Rouge and or Texas doesn't get in for the Cajuns to go. Uh, Arkansas, I don't think of when I think of Arkansas, I think about baseball, not softball. But they obviously have a six RPI, which probably wouldn't be a bad regional to go to. Is that kind of the best case scenario going to Arkansas? Possibly. I mean, you know. Arkansas may be a national seed. They may be a top eight seed. They've had an outstanding season, and I think they won the regular season uh, <laughs> SEC championship or tied for it. So, uh, you know, they, they're pretty good, and uh, I don't know what the best-case scenarios. You know, I didn't mention I didn't mention Florida State, but I think that also might be a possibility. So, uh, And then they can put you on a plane and send you out west. There's, who knows, you know? It's all a guessing game right now. Now, I didn't look up – I didn't consider Florida State. So, Florida State, do you have any idea about what their RPI what, – what, what, what are they looking at right now, RPI-wise? I'm not sure. I, I, I really haven't. The only, I only look at, at the Cajuns' RPI and, you know, kind of look at LSU's to, to help determine if they got a chance to host. And I really don't look at all the uh, other schools. Man, the man hates looking at RPIs. He's too busy watching the Yankees win is the problem, right? Yeah, man. It's been fun, and now the analytics department is still on vacation. So. <laughs> By the way, I looked it up. Florida State is three. So, again, if you're the Cajuns, you don't really want to go to Alabama. One, it's too hard to win at Alabama. And, 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 and they're four. You don't really want to go to Baton Rouge if they're going to be 16 because then you're, team, you're, you're, you're teamed up with, with one Oklahoma, which, you know, you don't – right now you just want to win a regional. I get that. But we've been to Oklahoma and sat in the rain. I, I, have, I don't, I don't want to do that. Now, we ate at a really good red, red Robert there, and so I do have a good memory <laughs> of that. And we did travel yeah, on Highway 9. You set a record at that Red Robin. I don't know if you remember that or not. <laughs> For the amount of French fries eaten. That's right. That's right. That poor waitress got tired of bringing me French fries. She she stopped asking. She stopped asking <laughs> if you wanted if you wanted more or not. <laughs> she just started bringing them. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that was funny. So I guess we have some good memories, but I didn't like sitting in the rain. But anyway. Uh, uh, it was so hot. It was it, 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 what I'm. It's just a unique year. It seems like so. We'll see if LSU gets in. Of course, first things first. Cajuns need to try to win the Sun Belt Conference tournament in Mobile this weekend. Bobby's going to be there, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I appreciate your time as always, sir. Thank you. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Bobby Nova. Uh, now I think he brings up a good point. Probably LSU and Texas won't get in. But if one of them get in, I kind of like the Cajuns' chances, but I'm not so sure. But, again, if Texas is a 15 seed or a um, 
or a 16 seed or LSU is, then if you happen to win the regional, if you're really trying to get to Oklahoma City, you you don't want to have to go play a one or a two seed. You might be better off going to Arkansas because if you happen to win that regional, then you're not playing a top, you know, one, two, three, four seed in the Super Regional. So it just kind of depends on how you look at it. Cajun's RPI, by the way, is 27 right now. So we'll see. We'll see how all that plays out. Kind of a unique year. Big big potential impact by the results of the conference tournament in the Big 12 with Texas and the SEC with LSU and the Cajuns in the Sun Belt. We'll take a timeout, come back with more on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Yep. Yep. Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. Want to remind you about a unique opportunity. The game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with tickets for a special sneak peek of the movie Top Gun Maverick. You can see it before anyone else. To get an opportunity of this, to see this new movie, you need to text Top Gun to 68683. That's text Top Gun to 68683. You can score a pair of tickets for the sneak preview on May the 26th at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. Top Gun Maverick sneak preview brought to you by Big Boy Toys in the game Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. All right, so it's the obligatory question. Hannah, have you seen the movie Top Gun? I I have seen a few clips here and there, but I know I have never sat down and watched from beginning to end um, at the movie theater house or anywhere else the movie Top Gun. Um, I feel like I have seen a clip or two. I can't exactly 100% recall that I've actually watched the full movie. I I feel like if my fiance is listening, he's probably telling me, yes, you have in his head. But I cannot say 100% that I know I've watched it. Whenever my wife's flipping, you know, she's loved the movie. I I, I just, you know, I've seen... she she'll stop and I'll I'll watch you know ten minutes. I've seen like ten minutes of it here and there, but I've never I actually like sat down and watched the whole movie. So and right. I, and, and I don't ever like really that. plan to unless maybe <laughs> one day my wa- Michelle will say, "Let's watch it." Come on, walk. Come on, come on. Uh, yeah, so I, mean, I, mean, the, the I'm not, I don't have anything against it. It just I don't know. right. I don't either. 
Top Gun is like me with the the what's that? Forrest Gump. It took me like four years to finally watch the movie from beginning to end because it would randomly pop up on the TV and I would watch a certain part to this certain other part, but I've never had watched the full movie. And I would do it over and over again for like years. And I finally sat down and actually watched the full movie. I've probably done the same thing with Top Gun and just haven't realized it. But now, I would watch, I would volunteer to watch Forrest Gump. Over, I mean, I've seen that many times. But, oh, yeah. But, but Top Gun, I, don't, I wouldn't put I, quite I'm not, in that category. I'm not sure about Top Gun. I probably will end up when I tell Kenneth I haven't watched it, then he'll probably have you sit down and watch it. But... Forrest Gump, I can watch all day, but I can't watch around my stepmom because she'll start crying as soon as she sees that it's on. So I can never watch it around her. Top Gun? No, Forrest Gump. Oh, Forrest Gump. Gump. She would start like crying already, and I was like, well. Simon, the sad part yet. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe we'll do a premiere like we did for Spider-Man, and maybe Michelle will make you take her to come see it. Let, let's. She she rarely listens to the show unless she's out and about doing something, so hopefully she didn't hear this and <laughs> she didn't even find out that the movie exists. That's that's what I'm hoping for. Let's let, let, let's go that route. <laughs> All right. Unless Riley's listening. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, no, that that has a chance of happening. Riley, Riley might tell her. All right. Uh, again, the game hotline is 706-0111-706-0111. I mean, Getting back to the conversation that Bobby and I were having and 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 we're gonna have with Koki tomorrow on the baseball side involving LSU and potentially the Cajuns in baseball regionals. It's real uh, from a media standpoint, it from a you know, you, you kind of look at it a little selfishly. You'd rather tra- travel fifty miles down the ro- road to cover a regional than to have to travel hundreds of miles, um, you know, like in in baseball. The, you, if you're going to go to the conference tournament, you got to go to Montgomery. Um, it's possible if, if the Cajuns get in a regional, they'll just send them to Baton Rouge, which they've done many times. But you know, it's also possible you know they'll send them somewhere else, which they have as well, somewhere in Texas. Or, but again, it's just a weird year. There's just so many. Such a high percentage of the potential regional sites are not in this region, which is a little unusual. Like baseball and softball. Now, the ACC is good in baseball and, and pretty good in softball at times. But, but really, softball is a, is, a, is a southern and a western thing. And that's basically been the, the case for baseball as well, although – I would say that the, the the East Coast, you know, historically, like Georgia Tech, I guess you would consider Miami East Coast, although it's, I consider it more, so, you know, south on the tip of Florida, really Cuba. But um, Clemson, you know, North Carolina, they, 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 there's a lot more baseball on the East Coast and probably softball powers. But um, – but there's just not, you know, it, being such a Southern and a Western, there seems like there's a lot more Western, a lot more Eastern, and not as much, um, you know, at least in this area, because, you know, you got Ole Miss and Mississippi State, a lot of times both host regionals. That's not going to happen this year, more than likely. And, um, you know, a lot of times you'll have one in the Houston area. I don't know that there's going to be one in the Houston area in either sport. 
uh, like now Dallas Baptist may host in baseball. Uh, but there's just not as many in the, within five or six hours as it seems like there normally is. Now, uh, you know, we've heard about the talent. It seemed like last year, the year before, Tallahassee was kind of high on the on the option list for um, for Cajuns to go. But and uh, again, I, I don't know that Florida State from a from a, from a softball standpoint. I don't know that um, you want to go that route. That doesn't sound like a good route to go to to go to Florida State as as a team with a with a three RPI right now. Of course, I don't believe I've ever been to Tallahassee. If I was, I was. If I did, it I drove through it when I was real young, maybe on some trip to Florida. But I don't believe that I've ever been there. And um, we're we're going to be going there football wise this year, taking a football trip. To Tallahassee, which is going to be fun uh, and, and and a unique experience. Kind of looking forward to that one, but I don't know that softball wants to go to Tallahassee. I, you know, you don't really want to me. You don't want to go to Tuscaloosa. You don't want to go to Tallahassee. Arkansas. I'm not saying Arkansas is not really good, but I'd rather go to a six seed if they are about a six seed, just projecting, uh, than to go to a three seed or a four seed. And a, it would be a six seed that doesn't have decades of tradition of being a, a seed. And so their fan base probably isn't quite what Alabama's is or what Florida State's is. I mean, Florida State was good in softball way back in when the Cajuns were first getting into regionals in the late, you know, 89, 90. You know, they were playing. So they've been good in softball for a long time. So I don't I don't I don't know that you I'd rather go to Arkansas. Probably not as much winning tradition, probably not as many fans that would get on you like the Alabama fan would in, in, in softball. So um so um you know we'll we'll see how it plans out. Again, Bobby referred to it, we'll find out Sunday. So when we get back on Monday, Lord willing, we'll uh we'll we'll know. Um, that that picture for 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 Saul, and it's it's an important regional. On one hand, the Cajun softball teams in a is young, and you could argue in a little bit of a rebuilding stage. Although, look what they did—they won the conference tournament. They kept the streak all the way. They got it to what seventy-three uh, consecutive Sun Belt Conference series wins, and and they won the regular season, and they ended the year on a roll. And so the expectations are still high. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, they haven't won a regional in a while, so it's time. So you want to go to a regional that you, quote, unquote, a little more winnable than others. And um, and then you also have to think, yeah, but if you win this regional, what super regional opponent seed would you have? So you gotta you got to consider that in your mind as well. So in terms of the, coming up with a wish list, it can get complicated as a, as a Cajun softball fan or – Cajun baseball fan or or even an LSU baseball or softball fan it could be like you want to host like if I'm if I'm an LSU softball fan I don't want to host you say well that sounds crazy because of what Bobby said if you host as an LSU softball fan then even if you win that region you probably got to go to Oklahoma or someplace like that or go really far out west to one of the Pac-12 
12 power. I don't want that. If if I'm an LSU softball fan, I'd rather get sent to as a two seed to like an eight seed or a nine seed or a 10 seed. Then that gives me a more realistic road to actually get to Oklahoma City. So if I'm an LSU fan, I don't even want to host if I'm an LSU softball fan. I wouldn't want to. But different people look at things a different way. All right. We'll take a timeout. Come back. Finish out today's show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's not uncommon here on Footnotes for Kevin Foote's voice and his blood pressure to rise rapidly during the show. The fat guys like you and me need to be watching mop-up time just like the stars do. Sometimes it rises a little too high. That is stupid. Stupid. Not to worry. We have EMT standing by just in case Foot passes out. Back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to footnotes. On the game, I want to remind you to Cajun Heartland State Fair. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, would like to give you a family four-pack of ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair from May the 26th through June the 5th. To win this family pack of four t- ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair, you simply need to text CHSF. To 68683, text CHSF, Cajun Heartland State Fair, to 68683. You might win a family four-pack of ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair. Now, I have been to the Cajun Heartland State Fair many times. I have not, way more often than I've ever seen the movie Top Gun. But, um, but yeah, I'm not a big rider, but I've brought my kids many times over the years. Um probably for 20 something years we you know every year we went so i i i like to i don't i like the atmosphere at the state fair i'm just not a like big roller coaster throw me all over the place guy i don't do that stuff but i have daughters who love it and so um and a son who rides some of it not always as daring as his sisters are but um, he 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 likes quite a quite a bit of it as well. So I um can't win this, but would certainly take advantage of it if I could. So I endorse the Cajun Heartland State Fair anyway. I don't know about Top Gun. I know many. My wife would endorse it. Probably one or two of my daughters would, but I don't know if I could give a personal endorsement for that. But I know many of you would enjoy winning that prize as well. All right, appreciate um, Bobby coming on and our weekly interview with Coach Deggs. Got lots to look forward to this weekend in college sports. Y'all have a nice day.